Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we're going to be talking about belonging. You know, growing up, I never really felt like I belonged to anything. And I know a lot of the people that um, I personally know and that I've worked with over the years, they kind of have that same feeling where they're just kind of going through life, but they're just, they don't really feel like they belong to anything important you know um it can it can play it can play in, in our psyche in ways that aren't really that advantageous for us we think that you know we've been rejected we don't feel like we're we're good enough or we're not enough so on and so forth and and the reality is is that we all belong to something and if nothing else i mean we belong in the kingdom of god right um and what I found out through my recovery is that actually, you know, I had a lot of, I thought they were friends, but at the time, you know, everybody comes in our life for a reason and a season. They were more acquaintances than friends. Once I got in recovery, I, I found out that my true friends are who my true friends were. And a lot of the people I thought were friends weren't. So it was a deep, deep sense of wanting to belong to something that actually got me started in my addiction when I was in high school, because I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted, I didn't want to be looked down upon. I didn't want to be rejected. I wanted to be a part of something. So even though I was raised in a, in a born-again Christian home, which was an extremely toxic and unhealthy born-again Christian home at, at best, and even though I knew doing drugs and drinking was wrong, if that's what it was going to take for me to feel like I belonged to something and be a part of something, then I did it. And that's what I did. Um, and the problem that I had is that not only did it, did it help me with that, but it also took the pain and the shame away from all the abuse I've been going through. But I still felt, even I can say that to you, but I can still say that even though um, I say that, there were still times where it's like, man, these people could really see behind the facade that I'm doing right now, even as a teenager. They really knew the truth about me, right? They would, uh, they would probably run from me. It, you know, it created a lot of shame in me and, and pushed me away from a lot of people. And actually, it caused me to behave in a way that didn't allow people to get close to me. So in my, in my 30-day devotional, The Wholeness, my belonging, I believe, was the fourth devotional I got is on belonging. Right? So I'm going to go ahead and read that to you and kind of filter into it as, as I go. Um, as I always do, I always start out with a scripture. First John 4, 4 tells us this, that, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. 
Now, you know, if, if you're struggling with God, which a lot of people are, and a lot of times that that, that struggle really, in, in, in a lot of ways, and I have a, a paper that somebody gave me an article on this, that, you know, we're supposed to believe that we belong to God and that he's going to take care of all of our problems and that he's going to love us unconditionally. He's never going to judge us, right? And you've heard me talk about this before that, well, it's pretty hard for a lot of people to really, truly, honestly believe that because their father right here on earth, the one that's supposed to be loving them, that's supposed to be showing them love, supposed to pick them up when they're falling down, not supposed to judge them, you know, but, but, discipline them in a way of love, not beat them. Not, that's that's garbage. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to beat your children. And if somebody can find that in the New Testament, and it clearly says beat your children, whip your children, then let me know, and, I'll, and I'll, 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 I'll look into it, and I'll straighten my my beliefs out around that. But everything that I've read, all the research I have, that's not what discipline is. So, it's hard when, when we say that God, we belong to God. It's like, well, really, God? Then why am I being abused all the time? You know, why did you take my dad from me if I belong to you? So it, it's, it's a hard transition, and it was really hard for me, but I made it, and it's really changed my life that we always belong to God of nothing else. But we, but we as human beings, we want that physical connection with somebody that we can actually reach out and touch and talk to one-on-one in person like that. And I understand that. But when it comes down to it, there's times when there's nobody else around and who are we going to turn to? And I, I had to do that a lot in the early years of my recovery. The only person I could talk to was God. And I had a lot of conversations with God when I used to hike the bump and grind out here in the, in the Coachella Valley. It was at the in the world of recovery, they call it the magic mountain because so much magic happened on that in people's lives. So so anyways, belonging is a is, is a... It's, it's a situation that I believe, in my belief is that in, in many, many addicts' lives, and when I say addicts, it could be codependency, drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, overeating, overworking, just the whole gamut, right? It's, I think that's, wanting to belong drives a lot of, of those people's addictions, or at least at the beginning gets them to the point to where they dive into using drugs and alcohol, and then the addiction takes over. Okay, so have you ever felt as though you do not belong here? That's a question. As though you are all alone. And I would would venture to say that all of us at some point in time, it might maybe even be right now, especially with the pandemic just getting over and everything that's happened in the world. I I would say that everybody's felt that way. I I really, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. For many years, I did. I would be sitting in a stadium surrounded by thousands of people, but yet I felt all alone, all alone. And it was all within my head because I felt less than, not deserving of, all these different things that had been instilled in me, um, the lies that I had been told by my stepfather and my mother and other people in my life, the lies that the enemy wants to keep bringing up to me and reminding me of. Remember, Satan knows one thing, and he knows it really good. He knows your past, so he's going to use that against us. So we have to just arm ourselves and be ready when those attacks come. 
I grew up in an abusive home where my voice did not matter. And my feelings were nullified. My feelings were, they didn't matter. They were always nullified. In fact, if I talked about my feelings, I often got beat and told to shut up that I don't know what I'm talking about. I felt as though I was the only one in the world that was being abused. And that's, I can still see it today. I can remember one day walking down Westbourne and Dana Point going to school and I looked up to the clouds and said, God, why me? Out of all the millions of kids in this world, why am I the one being abused? And what I know today is I wasn't the only one being abused, especially my, a lot of my classmates were also being abused. I found out later. The pastor of our church even told me the abuse, that it was part of growing up. The shame that is attached with sexual abuse made it even worse. I was afraid to say anything out of fear that I would not be believed. I would not be believed. And that, that, that again comes from not being believed by abusive and toxic parents that were a deacon of the church and a member, member of the choir. Right, so then my voice was taken from me. So it's like, why should I say anything? No one's going to believe me or they're going to argue. That's a whole other thing. But I just fear that I would not be believed. To feel like I belong, I chased all things, all things. The world tells us will make us happy. I became successful in business, surrounded myself with people I perceived to be successful and have and have one, I, and I'm sorry, I, I became successful in business, surrounded myself with people I perceived to be successful and have what I wanted. I didn't know what true happiness was. I didn't know the true happiness came with from within. Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever showed me the love that, and that I could love myself. To me, success was the worldly stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having that stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, I still have, I still like to hunt. I still like to fish. I still like to hike. We still, my wife and I, we still like to go do things. But our motive is completely different today. We do them because we enjoy them. I enjoy doing stuff with my son. It's not to make myself feel better. It's not to appear like, look at all that Randy does and how important he is and all the things he's got. I want to be like him someday. People say, tell me that today. I want to be like you, Randy. I don't know. If you want to be like me today, you got to go through everything I went through, and I'm not going to wish that upon anybody. But no matter how much I achieved or how much material wealth I acquired, I never really felt like I belonged. I constantly had that hole in my soul. I never felt I never felt like I fit in. I always had this underlying fear that people were judging me. It's, they could it, Somehow they knew about what happened to me as a kid. You see, it was, a, it was all a facade to hide my pain and fill the hole in my soul. I was afraid that if the facade came tumbling down, you see just how dirty, tainted, and broken I was. And that, that's true. I know a lot of other people like that. They build these facades up because they don't want nobody to know the real them. I think people have gotten so far away from hearing the real truth that they'll isolate themselves so that they don't have to hang around people that will help them and tell them the truth. Because it's not as bad as you think it is. 
But if you saw behind this facade that I got on, my success, my beautiful wife, my children, my travels, my car, if you saw behind all that, you wouldn't want nothing to do with me. And I learned that my mother and my stepfather had that down to a T. They played that part perfect. Out in the world, they thought that everybody, everybody thought that they were the go-to people. They're just so special and they're so nice and they're so beautiful and they're so they're so helpful and they're so this and they're this and they're that. Because that's what it looked like. We lived in Dana Point. We dressed nice. We, you know, lived on the beach. Everything about us had this outside appearance that we had our stuff together. But then when the door closed behind us. As we walked in Sunday night, and as we walked in every day after school, it was a whole different story. When we were in that house by ourselves, I, I never knew what was going to happen. I never knew when the demons were going to explode out of Jack and my mother. And, and I'm saying that I've forgiven them, and I understand where they came from today. So, um, but it's part of my story, and, that, and that's why I say it. So. They learned how to put on this facade, and they wore it very well. Thus, I learned how to put it on. A lot of people put it on. I mean, if you got, with the work my wife and I do, if you got behind, when you get behind those people's facade, it, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Where, where is what I, here is what I know today. I was never alone. When I look back over my life, even after my fall from grace in 1975, I was able to be, I was able to see everywhere God was with me. Despite my circumstances, despite my sin, despite all the terrible conditions happening around me, and despite the lie I had been listening to, I was not alone. Today, today I have days where I might feel lonely. And I think that can just be human nature every once in a while we're gonna feel lonely and that's okay i mean i had to learn how to sit and be alone with myself and as as i was doing that instead of having those go 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 at first it was hard and now it's to the point today where it's just like it's kind of nice just to sit and do nothing and not have to worry about am i doing enough to make people happy Today I have days where I might feel lonely, but all I have to do is call out to God, and He will be there. He'll be there for me, and He will be there forever as well. So, when I look back and how I got back to God, it's just amazing. But because I turned my back on God in the church when I was when I was eighteen, I just had the journey back through my past. I had to look at everywhere that when I was, when I had technically overdosed on drugs and alcohol, and was, I, I just felt, I'm, I'm dying tonight. I'm going I'm to die. And so who do I call out to? I called out to the God that I was upset with. Right? And that happened on several occasions. And what I found out once I got into recovery, that the amount of cocaine and drinking that I had done was lethal doses and then some. But God always took care of me when I when I when I got in an accident one night drunk, right? Didn't hurt nobody, thank God. Should have gone to jail, 
I called out to God again, please God, I can't, I can't, help me out here, I can't be going to jail. I knew I was going to jail. God, God I didn't go to jail. God, God had been there in so many places in my life, and I, and I didn't realize how much he cared for me. The Bible says he'll never leave or forsake you, and I accepted Christ when I was 13, turned my back on him in the church when I was 18, but he never left me. February 1st, 2006, he made very, he, he spoke to me very clearly saying that you need to get help. You get out of jail free card, cards and you stuff, and it's time to get help. And, and that's, I listened to that, okay? So I haven't been alone from that day. Walking into recovery sometimes is the loneliest place in the world because you don't know what's going to happen to your family. And so, you, you, you know, I, I became whatever I got to do to get better, I am going to do. I don't want to lose my family. I'm tired of feeling alone. I'm tired of feeling sick and tired all the time. Right? And ever since then, I'm not, I'm not lonely. I mean, I get have those lonely moments, but I don't feel. Let me, let me rephrase it. I feel like I belong now. I feel like I belong. Today, I'm never alone because God will not leave me. Sometimes it feels like it. it's like, where are you at, God? I've been looking for you. I can't find you. This, I'm struggling. But he's right here with me. Right? He's walking with me. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. So be content with what you have. Be content with a loving wife and children that are healthy. Be content with the home that you have for now. You know, there's a lot of people in this world. I think here in America, we're a lot. You know, we we can kind of take a lot of stuff for for for, for uh, granted, and understandably so. But you know, other places in this world, kids don't even have clean water. They're batting flies off of them all. They don't have food, and here we are in America, and we whine and we don't have, you know. We, we have a car that gets us to and from every place we want to go, but it's not a brand new car. There's nothing wrong with having a brand new car if you work hard for it. Right? But appreciate it. I, I drive Ford trucks. And I, I used to drive the Ford F-250s. They were all jacked up. And, and I did it because I wanted, don't you know who Randy is? Here comes Randy. Everybody knows who Randy is. He's got this big truck. My motive was wrong. And today... I drive trucks, Ford F-150, but it's, you know, it looks nice because that's what I want. And, and, and I can afford it. I'm not out to impress anybody. I don't have to impress anybody. Okay? I hope that makes sense. So, so here's some questions. One, two, three. I got four of them that I put at every, the end of every, every um, put at the end of every devotional. So you might, if you're listening to this, you might get a pencil and paper um, and write these down, and you can contemplate them, write write out the answers as you feel you want to, so on and so forth. So the first one is, do you feel like you do not belong? So if you feel like you do not belong, like you're a misfit, like you don't belong in this world, okay? First of all, it's, it's, I'll tell you it's not true, but I understand where you're coming from because you do belong. 
Second question is, what happened in your life to make you feel like you were all alone? What happened in your life to make you feel like you were all alone? I want you really, these, these questions need to be thought about. There's no quick answer to them. You've got to really sit down and think about it, pray about it if you're a praying person, and be real honest with yourself about them. Number three, what things are you chasing in your life to fill that void? What things are you chasing in your life to fill that void? For me, it was the business. It was money. It was cars. It was every, I mean, it was everything that you could buy out in the world. And that never really made me happy for a day. And then the next thing you know, I'm on to something else. The last question is, what action steps are you going to take to feel like you are a part of? So, you know, we can't just sit there and um, we can't just sit there and want, want to feel like we belong. There's action steps that we got to take. What are you going to do to get out of your comfort zone so you can start feeling like you're belonging? You know, you got to have an open mind. You, you've got to, you know, who's telling you the, the, the stuff in your head? Who told you those lies that you're not enough, you're not worthy of? you've got to redo all that stuff. You've got to take a risk. You've got to take a chance. It's, it's just part of what we got to do. And, and believe me, I know it's hard, right? It, it's really hard. But um, when you start taking the action and then you slowly find out that, hey, I belong to, you know, you might jump in a group and you don't belong there at all. Not because you don't feel like, but there's, well, that's not for me. But even with that, I would caution that, that train of thought to make sure that you're not just wanting to get out of there. Okay? Um, so, like again, like I do at the end, there's a, there's a little short prayer that I write out for you to read. And the prayer for this one is, Lord, when I feel all alone, blanket me with your grace and loving kindness to ward off re rejection and loss of friends and family. Help me to feel your presence and trust that you are always with me. May the season of loneliness draw me closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can, you know, nothing else, you know, it's, it's hard, I know, to reach out to God if you're struggling with that. So, you know, find a good friend. Find somebody. There's got to be somebody in your life that you really, really trust. Um, and, you know, find that person and, and, and you know, become a part of... Um, of, of what they, you know, what they got. Um, help, th have them help you inject yourself into social uh, arenas where you're going to feel like you belong. It's, it's, it's just going to take work. It's going to take risk on your part and a lot of courage. It's going to take a lot of courage, but I know you can do it. I mean, I, I was broken beyond broken and, and I've done it and I continue to do it. So um, I know that you can do it. So, um, hey, you can get this devotional, uh, the 30-day devotional to wholeness right here. It's on Amazon and paperback and Kindle, paperback and Kindle. You can go to Amazon to get that. You can also get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. Um, you can get that on Amazon. It's on paperback, Kindle, and Audible. Paperback, Kindle, and Audible. And then my seven-day challenge little workbook. It's a real simple workbook for people that are just starting to get in, you know, re recover their life back and, and ways to, to feel good about themselves. Just real simple things. But you can get the seven-day challenge workbook also on Amazon. It's just in paperback. So the, um, those are all 
good books to have. Um, I recently <clears throat> endorsed this book by Denise uh, Bossart. I can't, probably didn't say her name right. It's Thriving After Sexual Abuse, Break Your Bondage to the Past and Live a Life. And Live You Live. I'm sorry, live a life you love, okay? And it's work, you know, it's basically written in the same context of mine is. She talks about her abuse, what happened, how it happened, how it affected her, and then ways ways that you can heal from it. I mean, the most important thing about any kind of a book that has to do with, with sexual abuse healing, right, is that um, not only we want we want to read about how do we heal? What are some of the steps we can take to become better? We don't need to read about sexual abuse and, and you know what it does to us and all the things that happen. I've read a couple of books like that, and I've had to put them down. And it, it, I, I, so there's some of those books that are out there that I feel are going to cause people to relapse because they, they'll treat you that bad. This is one of those books that doesn't do it. It was like my book. She talks about her abuse, how it affected her. We have to tell you that part of, of, of our story because without that, you want to understand what we're talking about when it comes to healing. So brand new, it's written. I think it's just out right now. Um, it's from a lady's perspective. Mine's from the men's perspective. So, and it relate like the lady's perspective, you'll relate to it, man. Like mine with the men's, uh, men's perspective, women relate to that too. Okay. So I want to pass that on. I, I, I endorsed that book for, which I was grateful to be able to do. So that's also, I believe that's also available on Amazon. Check out my web pages, CourageousHealers.org, CourageousHealers.org. That's our Courageous Healers Foundation website where we help men and families heal from the scars of sexual abuse. We also help women, but my main focus when I started the foundation was for men because there's not a lot out there for men and a lot of um, to really dive in and start healing from the, their abuse. Um, and coming from a man, from a survivor himself, it really opens the door for a lot of people. I'm, I'm working with a new client right now, and he's reading my book. And he says, this is definitely God-ordained because, Randy, what I read in your book and what I'm doing and what I'm going through, it was like this was made to happen by God because you're we're identical in a lot of ways. And all, the way you talk about healing in there, I can relate to, so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it, they're very both the books are very relatable. Um Check out the, the, the foundation. We do have some workshops coming up in the fall. We haven't got the dates yet. It's a series of four workshops. Uh, let me see if I get them off the top of my head. One is a communication workshop, Journey to You, Secrets and Silence. And the last one is on forgiveness. That will probably be right before Christmas, the one on forgiveness, because it's a really critical um, aspect to having a much better, happier, and freer life. So we've got those workshops coming up. Also, you can go to the changeyourlifestorynow.com. They're both on the screen right now. If you're watching it on YouTube, changeyourlifestorynow.com. Um, for my coaching and counseling and inner healing, I am Simba certified. Simba stands for Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. Um, we actually, my wife and I actually do it with all the couples that we're, that we're counseling and mentoring. It actually works all well with people that have been married for a long time because they, they've never looked at each other in the way this assessment may, uh, has you look. It's not a psychological assessment, and it's not a personality test. It's completely different, 99.9% .9 accurate when the people get done with it and we sit down to go over it with them. So 
that's something we offer as well. If you want, you can look it up on the internet, uh, S-Y-M-B-I-S.com, and you can find out more about it and just contact us. I'm a uh, certified facilitator. We do marriage counseling, do one-on-one coaching on, on the healings of the scars of sexual abuse, um, also with addiction, whatever. We, we cover a big gamut of, of, of life uh, in our coaching and counseling sessions. So all you got to do is go to those websites, hit the contact page, fill it out, let me know what you want. Um, I'll respond right away. Um, I'll respond via email, but if you would like me to call you rather than respond via email, please tell me. Don't just give me your phone number. That's great to have, and I appreciate that. But let me know in your in the in the in the text. Please, I prefer that you would call me this to discuss how we can go forward, and I'll call you rather than shoot you an email. Um, and then we can go from there. Okay. I think that's about it. That's going on. Um, that's it for now. So, anyways, um, thanks for joining joining on this episode. We really appreciate it. And whether you're watching in the morning, the evening, the afternoon, I'm not sure where you're watching this from, wherever you might be watching it from, make it the best day of your life. You have a choice to do that. If you start off bad, you can start all over again. Um, and remember this, that if you don't think anybody else loves you, remember this, that Randy does. Randy does. Randy loves everybody. My job is to love people and walk with them through their pain and out of their pain. All right, everybody. Be blessed. I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for joining me. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>